I was thinking that last week was our last week on this series, but uh, that changed a little bit. So we got at least one more week on on some things in this area. And uh, and some of this came out of, um, we had a wonderful discussion here. None of you were around, most, well, most of you were not around, on Thursday night with our worship team. We just had a great discussion. I just love discussing the Word of God with people who are just hungry to go after the Word of God and find out what's, what's going on. We had a great one there. And uh, as we were talking about some things, uh, I wanted to share this, this with you. might help us out in, in, uh, in studying the Word and, and getting some things from it. We had talked a few weeks back about Revelation. And so we're going to be over in Mac, Mar, uh, excuse me, Matthew chapter 16. There was a story of a young fellow. He was in a small town, but he wanted to be a big-time newspaper reporter. But, you know, in a small town, not, not too much happens. Well, it so happened that upstream, a big dam had given way, and all the water from the reservoir had come rushing down and flooded this particular town. And so he decided to get himself in a boat and to go on off and to find a story. And so he was going out and he was looking for a story in the boat. And as he was uh, looking around, he saw a woman and she was on top of the roof of her house. And so he said, this is probably where a story could be. So he went over and he got next to the woman and he said, hey, I'm a reporter. I'm looking for a story. And so she points out to the, the water that's out there says, well, there's a story for you. And he looked out there and he saw all this debris kind of coming down the water. And he's looking at that and says, well, I don't really see a story in that. And so she said, well, keep looking. And so he kept looking. He was studying all the things that were floating downstream. And all of a sudden, his eyes caught sight of something. It was a hat. And this hat was floating downstream. And then all of a sudden, the hat turned around. And the hat went upstream. And then the hat turned around again and went downstream. And then the hat turned around again and it went upstream. And this kept going on for a while. And he says, well, that looks like I've never seen that before. And she said, well, that's your story. He said, my husband said this morning, he said, come hell or high water. I'm going to mow the lawn. (laughs) Now, how many times can we look at situations and not see what's really going on? Not really fully understand what's happening. And in the area of Revelation, many things have gone on and it's right there in front of us. But we can't figure out. It out. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the importance of revelation. And his brother Jolly was was talking about don't hope for something the word does not promise. That's not not a good thing to be doing. That there are two ways that God will build faith. First off, He'll show you in the Word, and secondly, He will speak to you a word. But the word is not a word, and a word is not the word. The word is the highest authority we have in our life. If God speaks to you a word, it needs to come in line with the word. Some people treat a word they receive as the word. You got to be careful with that. Now, it's very important what God has spoken to you. But God will always speak in line with his word and give us that to to help us out. We said uh, 
just reviewing some things we had done since it was two weeks ago. If you act in line with what God revealed to another without it becoming revelation to you, you have set yourself up to walk in presumption. And don't expect people to get to act on your revelation until it becomes their revelation. How many times have you ever talked to somebody about something God revealed to you and you're excited about it and you share it to somebody else and they don't quite share your excitement? Well, it's not their revelation yet. It's yours. You can share it to people. Eventually, sometimes that will become their revelation. But it may not be their revelation just yet. Don't, don't be expecting those kind of things. We talked about how great revelation is, how important it is, and we even ranked it among a number of different things that you have in your life. So I wrote this in your outline, put this up on Facebook for you too, if you were up there looking at that. How does great revelation from God get turned into something far less than great or even foolishness by us? It does happen. We have had great revelation from God. And so we're going to look at a chapter, and we come back to this chapter quite often, but we're going to take on the entire chapter here today in Matthew chapter 16. Let's take a look at verse 1. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came and tested him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. Why did they come to him? States right in there what their purpose was. Their purpose was to test him. Now, if somebody is coming to test you, we're not talking about give you a test and see how you did. Not, not, kind of, not that kind of test. Brother Victor, we were praying for him. He had a test on money. Sent me a text that he did good. Glory to God for that. <laughs> not that kind of test. Somebody come to you and giving you that kind of test. That's not the, the attitude we're looking at. Somebody's coming in and testing you to see if you're really who you are. If you really um, did something that you did. That they, they're going to come with an attitude. They're going to have an attitude about it. And the Pharisees and Sadducees, when they came testing him, they had an attitude. Jesus picked up on that attitude. How hard is it to pick up when somebody has an attitude? It isn't hard at all, is it? You all know I'm a Star Trek fan. I enjoy Star Trek. I enjoy the new series of Star Trek. One of my favorite scenes in, in, uh, in one of the new movies it did is when Captain Kirk and Spock are before the Admiral because they did something bad. <laughs> and, and one of the statements that the Admiral makes to, to Spock, it says, Spock, are you having an attitude with me right now? And Spock said, I am having multiple attitudes. Which one do you speak? <laughs> that is so Spock. It's, uh, <laughs> that was just great. <laughs> he didn't see anything wrong with the attitude he was having. But, you know, people come to you to have an attitude. You can pick up on it. You know, a boss comes to you, a coworker comes to you, and they have an attitude. You can pick up on that attitude. They came to Jesus. They had an attitude about it. He answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red, and in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites! You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. Hmm. He didn't give them what they wanted, did they? Sometimes we think that just because unsaved people, or even saved people, just I'll put it this way, this way, just because someone comes and asks you a question doesn't mean you have to answer them. That should set you free on a lot of things. Jesus did not always answer people the questions that they asked. If they didn't have an attitude to receive it, He didn't answer them. 
How many have ever had people ask you a question, you know they got an attitude and all they're trying to do is make a case against you? Yeah, you know, you know what? Follow Jesus' example in this. Don't answer them. You don't have to. There's nothing in the Word of God that says that just because someone asked you a question means they deserve an answer. That's not Christian. That's sometimes foolishness. So be careful in that area. That's just a, sort of a side note. So their approach had a bad motive and attitude. That's their approach. Their approach, they had a bad motive. Their motive was they wanted to test Jesus and they had an attitude in it. That wasn't necessarily a good thing. Now understand this. Not all bad motives are selfish ones. We can all understand that selfish motives are bad. But not all motives, all bad, not all bad motives are selfish ones. There's some other motives you can have that are bad too. We might get into some of those as we, we go on. But let's continue on with this. There are two things if tainted, or these two things, motive and attitude. These two things, if tainted, will always produce something off or even completely false. Has anyone ever come to you with a motive that was wrong, an attitude that was wrong, gleaned something from you, and have they ever done anything good with it? Have they been accurate at the way that they portrayed what you said? Uh -uh. You see, if their motive and their attitude is wrong then what they're going to do with it is going to be off or completely false. We see this countless times in the Word of God, not just here in Matthew 16. You come into the discussion with a selfish motive and the pride of one who thinks they are right. That's not a good way to come into a into asking Jesus, asking God, asking anyone something. If you come into the discussion with a selfish motive and the pride of one who thinks they are right... Have you ever talked to somebody, they're asking a question, but they know that they're right? They may not be, but they know that they're right. Is there any talking to them? There isn't. You can't do much with that, can you? Neither can Jesus. Just understand this. If Jesus didn't think he could do something with it, why do you think you can? If I think I am right and God has another view, what will happen? If I come into a discussion, if I come in and ask God a question, and I think I am right, but God has a different view, where do you think that conversation is going? Verse 5. Now when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reason among themselves, saying, it is because we have taken no bread. All right. Jesus is giving them some revelation, isn't he? Now, it's not a great revelation. It's not deep revelation. But isn't Jesus imparting to them revelation? It absolutely is. Is there anything wrong with the revelation that Jesus speaks? Ever. Not just here. Jesus always speaks perfect revelation, doesn't he? He only speaks what he hears the Father say. That's all he does. That's perfect revelation from Jesus. Jesus gives them perfect revelation. If you want to sit there and say, well, we could have phrased that differently. No. <laughs> Jesus phrased it exactly the way he needed to. So he gave out perfect revelation. What happened to the disciples? They came out with 
certainly less than perfect understanding and certainly what could be considered false. Right? But it had nothing to do with the revelation. What happened? Where did the problem come in? Not in the speaking of the revelation, but in their understanding of it. Why was their understanding tainted in this particular instance? Because their mind is focused on not just bread. It's not just that they were, it's not that they were hungry. They weren't just focused on bread. They were focused on the fact we usually bring bread. We didn't bring bread today. I knew we should have brought bread. Why didn't we bring the bread? I can't believe it. John, why didn't you remind me to bring the bread? We were talking about it before. We knew we had to get it. They're mindful of the bread. The fact that they didn't bring it. Understand the word of God says that's what they were focused on. That they did not bring bread. Apparently that's one of the responsibilities that they had. It wasn't on Jesus. It wasn't Jesus' responsibility to make sure they had bread and stuff to eat. It was theirs. And they forgot to do it. So they're thinking along these lines. We didn't bring bread. We should have brought bread. We didn't bring bread. And so when Jesus speaks out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, their mind thinking on bread, hears what Jesus said as perfect revelation and pulls out a different interpretation. Because their mind was on another thing. There was nothing wrong with the revelation. The revelation that Jesus gave was perfect. The understanding he was trying to get them to to reach would have helped them. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said it. We just came from the Sadducees and Pharisees, but they weren't mindful of what was going on with the Sadducees and, and Pharisees. They were mindful of, we didn't bring bread. This is not necessarily a selfish motivation. This was This was our responsibility to do. And we didn't do it. We let Jesus down. It could be sad that they let Jesus down. I know Jesus is going to be asking for some bread. And we're not going to have any. And obviously, wherever they were, wasn't something that they could rectify. They couldn't take care of it. So they're focused on this. What are we going to do? What are we going to do about bread? I'll put it to you in this, this kind of a thing. If you went out to an event... And that event only accepts cash, and you didn't know it. All you have in your in your wallet is credit cards. But the event that you went to only accepts cash. You thought of it beforehand you went. I wonder if they accept credit cards at this farmer's market or whatever place that you're going to. It's just it's not a normal place with stores. I wonder if they'll accept credit cards. Or I should, I should probably stop and get some cash. And that thought comes to you and you think about that, but you don't go by the ATM machine. I'm still used to calling them Mac machines. How many people are still used to calling them Mac machines? I still call them Mac machines. I don't think there are any Mac machines around, are they? But I still call them that. Kind of get used to, <laughs> got used to the lingo. Mac machine. But anyway, you go to the ATM. You think I should go to the ATM and get some cash out just in case I need it. And you show up and you find out all they accept is cash. Now everything that you hear is in light with the fact that I can't buy anything because I don't have any cash. Right? Somebody can come up and say, oh, isn't this nice? And you're thinking, yeah, it is nice. You really like it. And you're yelling at me for not having picked up some cash. 
I knew I should have picked up some cash. And you may say, I know I should have picked up some cash. No, I'm just saying that this was nice. That's really all I was thinking. See, we, we can't always hear that. It's the same thing the disciples are in. We, we as Christians, folks, have gotten ourselves in positions that even though God is trying to say something to us, we can't hear it because our mind is focused on something else. And the revelation that he gave us, which was flawless, we've messed up because our minds were on something else. We've got to make sure we fix that. This is what happened here. So he says, Take heed of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they reasoned among themselves. We always seem to get into trouble in the Word of God. Whenever it says they reasoned, it's never good. It is because we have taken no bread. But that's not what he had in mind at all, was it? He's not even thinking about bread. So this very simple revelation didn't come to them because they had their mind focused on something else. Very simple. I mean, really, is there anything great about this revelation? Beware of what the Sadducees and the Pharisees teach because people who come with that kind of attitude are going to teach you wrong stuff. Do understand that. People who have wrong attitudes will teach you wrong things. Be careful what they teach you. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Oh, you of little faith. Did you know your faith is involved in receiving revelation? Hmm. Oh, you of little faith. Why do you reason among yourselves? Because... Why do you reason among yourselves? Because you have brought no bread. Not that they had no bread, but because they brought no bread. Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000, how many baskets you took up? Nor the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up? How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Now, there's a whole lot in that we're not going to get into. We've, we spent time teaching on that section of it before, and it's phenomenal. One of the miracles, or two of the miracles that they were supposed to learn something from, that is specifically stated to have learned something from, and they didn't learn it. He brings it up right here. But he says, Do you not understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? So what he does here is he gave them revelation. They came out with an interpretation or an understanding of that that was incorrect. It was wrong. And he says to them, did you not understand what happened here? Do you know that some of the things that have happened in your life up till now, the understanding of those things, the proper understanding of those things will shape how you receive revelation that God still has yet to speak to you? That if you get wrong understanding on, say, the loaves and the fishes, then when you come to the point of the leaven of the Pharisees, you'll get a wrong interpretation. If they would have had the correct understanding of that miracle, of those miracles, it would have changed what was going on here. So it wasn't just that their mind was focused on we didn't bring bread. It was also the fact that what they were supposed to have learned, they didn't. They didn't learn it. How important is it that we learn the things that we come to? 
See, they, Jesus brought them into this miracle. Remember, he said to them, you feed them. You guys learn something here. You guys do this. Well, how are we going to do it? How is it, verse 11, how is it you do not understand that I do not speak to you concerning bread? How is it that you don't understand? I wonder how many times God has said that about me. Gabriel, how is it he doesn't understand that? I don't know how many times he said that about me. I want to make sure that those times get less and less. But can you imagine God giving me, God giving you a revelation on something, and we come up with an understanding of it, and God says, how is it that they came up with that? Now you can think about this. How many times have you said something to someone, and they repeated it back to you, and you think, how did you get that? I, I don't understand. How did you get that? See, we messed it up. You messed up the, the interpretation. You messed up the understanding. Now, most of the times we may look at ourselves and say, well, maybe I didn't say it right. But I know God says things right. He's very careful with His words and His words are very powerful. And He said to them very clearly, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Verse 12 says, Then they understood that He did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So they went from not understanding to understanding in an instant. Because they changed their focus. All they had to do was change their focus. Has that ever happened to you? No, no, I wasn't talking about that. I was talking about that. Oh, now I see. Now I got it. That's what happened here. Change their focus. Change what they were seeing. Change what they were looking at. Oh, now we got it. You're talking about the things that they teach. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we ought to be careful about that. It wasn't a great revelation. It was a little revelation. But they didn't understand it. Because their understanding wasn't there. Jesus had to clear up some things so they get there. How much time do we spend not only gleaning and, 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 and receiving that revelation from God, how much time do we spend on understanding it? Just because you received a revelation does not mean you received its understanding. Please remember that. Just because you received a revelation does not mean you received its understanding. Were not all of the parables that Jesus gave revelation? And yet many never, did not understand it. How many times did Jesus teach something and people walk off and get offended? How many times did Jesus do miracles and people got offended? Because they didn't understand. They saw, but they didn't glean what other people did. Daniel chapter 8 verse 15. Then it happened when I, Daniel, had seen the vision and was seeking the meaning that suddenly there stood before me one having the appearance of a man. He had the vision. Daniel received a vision from God. But just because he got the revelation didn't mean he had the, the understanding of it. So he was seeking after the meaning of it. Again in chapter 10, verse 12. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand, this is a different vision. 
The other one was in chapter 8. This is chapter 10. He got a different vision on this one. And he got the vision. He didn't have the understanding. Didn't know what it meant. Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard and I have come because of your words. So look at two things. First off, he says that you set your heart to understand. And that secondly, you humbled yourself. Prideful people don't receive understanding no matter what the revelation or who it came through. You got to get yourself humble. Because prideful people say, well, I know what that means. Therefore, no one else can tell them. Make sure you stay out of that. Now, put this in your outline for you. Assumptions and presumptions come without much or even any understanding. If you are going to walk in the area of presumption or assumptions, you do it without any understanding at all. I'll give you a point outside of the Word of God that you can understand. How many people have seen someone do something and immediately you assume you know why they did it? Well, I know why they did that. Did you see the way they looked at me? Why did that person have that attitude? We have these, we make these assumptions because I don't have the understanding of what was going on. But then all of a sudden, if we get understanding, people say to me, I'm sorry. Uh, when you were talking before, I was kind of out of it. And um, I, I didn't mean I wasn't interested in what you were going, but there was a situation that was going on. And it was just, it was demanding all my, my mental energy. And uh, I'm sorry about, I'm sorry about that. What were you saying again? And then you repeat it. Oh, okay. And you see it's something completely different from them. But you see, an assumption would say, well, I understand. They just didn't care. I understand they don't like me. I understand, and we put in whatever it is that uh, that goes on. Just because you see somebody do something doesn't mean you have understanding on it. Always ask. If you're going to make any kind of inroads in there at all, always ask. A lot of people, this is how they live their... Christians do this. This is how they live their life. We go over here and we look at... Did you see how Brother Steve looked at me? I know he's angry at me. And we begin to tell everybody else. Why is he? I don't know why he's angry. I didn't do anything. But for some reason, he's got this attitude. And we start telling all these people about it. Now, all these people think that I got an attitude towards a certain person. And I don't. But you see, they saw something and without understanding, came to a conclusion. You can't come to a conclusion without understanding. You gotta have understanding of the thing. You know, just like a long, long time ago, people looked out over the ocean and they saw that the ocean had an end. And so they decided, well, if the ocean has an end over here, and if we go over to this side and the ocean has an end over here, then the earth is flat. They came to a conclusion based on what they saw. Now it was a wrong conclusion. But they came to a conclusion based on what they saw. Because they didn't have the proper understanding. We've got to make sure that we go after the proper understanding. Be real careful what you pass on about what you think and what you feel about other people without gaining the proper understanding. 
That's why the Word of God says if you have something against someone, go and talk to them. If you see your brother in sin, go correct him. Go talk to him. Because if you go talk to him, you can find out what's going on. Otherwise, keep your mouth shut. Because you will speak a conclusion that came without understanding and pretty soon you will show yourself to have been full speaking foolishness. You don't need to do it. Let's go on with this. I put some other blanks in your outline here for you. You can get these. Great revelation with weak understanding will produce foolish conclusions. Great revelation with weak understanding will produce foolish conclusions. In Psalms chapter 19, verse 104, through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. What's a false way? A conclusion based on no understanding. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5, get wisdom, get understanding, do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. All you're getting, get understanding. Brother Creflo loves that verse. I don't blame him. I like it too. In all you're getting, get understanding. God's going to speak revelation. Revelation is going to happen around you. But just because you got the revelation doesn't mean you got the understanding. Get the right understanding. Proverbs 16, verse 16. How much better to get wisdom than gold? And to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Verse 13 in Matthew 16. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? They said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Who do men say that I am? And they said to him, now look at what they said. This is the prevailing thought around with people. Some say John the Baptist. That's interesting because John the Baptist and he were alive on the earth at the same time. Some say Elijah. What they're saying is that Elijah has come back, which was prophesied. He's come back. Others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So that's the prevailing thought. John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Isn't it interesting that no one said Jesus? <laughs> They're all talking about somebody coming back. John the Baptist came back. Elijah came back. Jeremiah came back. One of the prophets came back. And we have that today. How many people believe in reincarnation? Why? Well, because I have memories of a life before. <laughs> so, alright. So, I got this revelation that's floating out here. And I grab a hold of it. I have no understanding about it, but I come up with a conclusion. That conclusion is, well, if I have memories that I didn't actually live, I must have been alive before. Oh. And, of course, the king of foolishness 
comes along and fans that, that flame. Yes, you were. I had an English teacher my senior year in high school. And he was, we had a debate one day in, in school. He, he brought up the question. He was unsaved. Very much unsaved. He was about as far away from God as he can get. And made everybody know about that. And he said, he, he said in English, this is English class. <laughs> this is 1979. How much worse is it now? In English class, he says, is Jesus Christ true or the biggest myth ever come up with? So that was our, our debate in class, which ended up being me against the entire class and the teacher. I was a pretty timid little guy back then, and um, somehow I got a little bold when that came up. But So we were arguing, and uh, not arguing, but I was presenting evidence and, and uh, so forth. And the next day we came into class, and the teacher said, well, I think we have to admit that we lost that debate. He said we, because he was including him and the rest of the class. And so somebody from the class said, well, teacher, what do you believe? And so he said, I believe, and this is, I still remember what he, he said on this. I believe I am a re- reincarnated foot soldier in Alexander's army. A reincarnated foot soldier from Alexander's army. Hmm. And he gave his reasons. He remembered battle scenes. And he remembered things <laughs> that went on there. Well, you see, if you're open to, the, to crazy revelations and then crazy understandings, you'll come up with crazy conclusions. Understand there were demon spirits that were around during olden days and they can give you revelation, visions of things that happen, especially if you're open to that sort of thing. And then they'll come in and give you understanding on it. That's because you were there. You are reincarnated. Now we can come up with some foolishness. So he says, who do you think that I am? So they all say people who came back. People who came back. So he says in verse 15, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. Not someone who came back, but you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now notice this. Who answered Elijah, John the Baptist, Jeremiah, the prophets? They did. So picture it this way. John says, well, some people, I've heard some people say Elijah. James comes in there and said, well, I've heard some people say John the Baptist. Bartholomew. He says, well, you know, I just heard such and such a prophet. And they're all apparently throwing out different things that they heard. So he says, but who do you say that I am? Now, who answers this question? Peter does. They answered the other one. Peter answers this one. So here's a question for you. Do they all have this revelation or is it just Peter? I don't know that the rest of them don't have it, but I don't know that they do. The only one I know has it is Peter. 
Because he's the one who rose up and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And when Jesus addresses this, he doesn't address them, he addresses him. Jesus answered and said to him. Greek is very specific on them and him. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you. Now, I don't know if you know this about Greek, but Greek has, English doesn't have this. I could say you and mean all of you, or I could say you and mean in tow. Right? You can do the same thing. But not so in the Greek. Greek speaks it like this. You, and I'm speaking to you, and use. That's actually the way that it is in the Greek. If you want to properly interpret it, it'd be use. So whenever you hear somebody use that particular word, uh, they're using correct Greek. <laughs> that's just a little side note for, for that. But that's the way that the Greek is. They have... Uh, Singular and plural words in, in that way to, when addressing people. You or use. So he says you. Speaking to Simon Peter. He said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So it was revealed. And again, he says, revealed it to you. As far as we know, no one else had this revelation but Peter. I can't say for certain that's the way it was, but it would sure seem that way from the way that Jesus addresses them. That Peter is the one who got the revelation. And Peter is the one who spoke it out. Interesting, isn't it? So I put this in your outline for you. Did they all know this? I don't know. But they did all benefit from it, didn't they? So because Peter got this revelation as to who he was and he spoke it out, they all got the benefit of what that revelation brought. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter, but my Father in heaven. But even though it seems like Peter may have been the only one who got the revelation, they all got the benefit of that revelation. Verse 18, And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, or on this confession, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Now there's a whole lot more we can get into in these verses, but we're out here for one particular purpose and we want to stick with that purpose. Verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Why? Because they got a revelation that he was a Christ. And we've talked about this a number of times. This altered the way that Jesus taught them. But if the revelation only came to Peter, they all benefited from the fact that Jesus was teaching all of them what was gleaned from this revelation. So because they had their eyes open this way, he would then begin to, to teach them. Now, sometimes revelation will come to you directly and sometimes you will hear revelation from someone else. That doesn't mean you can't get the benefit of that revelation. Just because it wasn't spoken to you personally doesn't mean you can't get the benefit of it. There are a lot of revelations that Brother Hagen heard and received, wrote down in books, talked to people about it. And we get the benefit of those things. I wasn't there for the revelation, 
but I can receive that. And it's the same thing, same thing here. So just because you didn't get the revelation doesn't mean you can't get the benefit. But your attitude will change it. Don't be like the Pharisees. Don't be like the Sadducees. Don't be like the religious leaders. They stopped having that benefit. So from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. So from that time, they may have, I already gave this to you, but they may have been ready for it, but it did not benefit them. So they may have been ready for this because they got the revelation that Jesus is the Christ. They are ready for the next step, but it doesn't mean that the next step benefited them. Did it benefit them when Jesus began to teach them what was going to happen? No, because when Jesus died, did they all say, oh, it's just like he said. Now let's wait for the third day. The third day he's going to rise again. No, what happened as soon as he was, he died? They're sad. And on the third day they came looking for, they came looking for a body. And the angels greeted him and said, why do you seek the dead among the living? Why are you here looking for a dead body? He told you. Remember when they got the two on the road to Damascus, or to, to Emmaus? And, uh, why are you guys sad? What, don't you know what's happened? Well, we followed after Jesus and he died. And we didn't, we didn't know he was going to die. We, we kind of expected. And he said, what? Don't you know the scriptures? Maybe you got to take them through the scriptures. What was going on? See, Jesus taught them based on the fact that they were ready for more, but it didn't benefit them. Oh, when I understand that, I, I would ask God's dear God, how much have I been ready for and you've been teaching me and I haven't been gleaned the benefit of it? Uh, here's the thing for folks. The disciples needed the benefit of that. They needed it. They didn't get it. And the events around the crucifixion were altered because they did not get it. How was the crucifixion supposed to go? It was supposed to go with 12 people, at least 12 people, who knew how this was going to play out. It ended up with only Jesus knowing how it was going to play out. How would that have changed the events of the crucifixion if they would have operated in the revelation he had given them. I don't know. I guess we'll never know. Until we get to heaven, God said, well, it should have gone this way. It didn't. It's all right. We made up for it. (laughs) Now let's look what he says. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. This is the same guy who got the revelation before. So here's what happened. Another revelation was floating. Jesus shouldn't be teaching this way. He's the Son of God. He should not be teaching this way. He shouldn't be. I guess it's up to me. I guess I need to to say something about this. So he pulls Jesus aside. He's thinking, I'm going to do this right. I'm not going to embarrass him in front of everybody. I'm going to pull him aside. I'm going to have a little talk. I'm going to set him straight. What happened to Peter's pride level? 
it's sorted up, right? Mm-mm. This is, this is not good. You see, instead of just receiving the revelation that Jesus was trying to give him, he received criticism. And this particular criticism was called, are you ready for this word? How many people have you, have, sitting here, have ever received criticism called insight? Jesus, let me give you a little insight on this. You shouldn't be teaching this way. You shouldn't be speaking these things. That's a terrible confession to have. What kind of things are you calling forth? I don't know how he rebuked him. Whatever it was. Jesus took the guy that he just spoke good words about and says, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. See, Peter was open to receiving revelation. But he didn't judge this one. He didn't understand that this didn't come from God. This came from another source. And that source was able to tell Peter, Peter, you are a judge on this and you need to tell Jesus that he's missing it. He just called him the Son of God. If I truly believe that he's the Son of God, how can I tell the Son of God that you're missing it? Let me, let me tell you how this teaching ought to go. And his attitude wasn't quite right. I don't know about you, I know I've run into people like this. They, they come up and they ask you a question. What does the Bible, what do you think, what have you heard, what do you see, what, what do you believe about a particular situation? And sometimes I'll set out the answer. Well, I think, well, according to the Word of God over here, it says this, and as soon as I say that, well, I don't see that at all. Guess what I do with that? I shut it down. There have been a lot of things people have asked me questions for. They have shut it down early. No reason to go on. And with that attitude, nope. Well, all right then. then. I guess you'll have to walk in what you see. And I just walk off and go. Uh, what can you do? I guess I could say, get behind me, Satan. But I don't know that's necessarily appropriate and the thing to do in, a, in that situation. You know, I share with them that sometimes God has given me a, a revelation on something. I, I, some under, and I'm, I, I made the mistake a few times of sharing it beforehand. Well, you know, God spoke to us. I don't have quite the understanding of it yet. And I shared it before and just people shot it down. Well, I didn't have the understanding of it yet. And uh, almost maybe leave the whole thing. But I stayed with it. Got the understanding. Be careful what you shut down. Sometimes God is trying to speak to you and you shut them down. Don't be doing it. Now look at verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Assuredly, I say to you, there is some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now that whole 
part there. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. We spent a whole Good Friday about uh, six years ago on this particular topic of take up your cross. How many people can regularly remember something about that? I was going to go over some of that, but uh, we're a little little tight on time. I sort of figured we'd be tight on time. I just put it in there just in case. But when he says take up your cross, a lot of people go out and they say, well, that's just my cross to bear. And we really don't have an understanding of of what God is is doing. I made a note on, on that particular time that Jesus was not the only one carrying a cross that day, was he? But he was the only one bearing one with a purpose outside of himself. If you're going to carry a cross for God, folks, you're going to carry a purpose outside of yourself. You're going to carry it quietly like Jesus did. You're going to suffer without complaining. How many people bearing their cross, letting you know they're bearing the cross, are very vocal about it? They're not doing it like Jesus did. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. If you want to gain the understanding of any revelation that you got, first off, you've got to deny yourself. Stop putting what you feel, what you think, ahead of what the Word of God says. You can't do it. Take up His cross and follow me. These are the things that we need to do. With our worship team on Thursday, we've been reading the book together. And we're looking at some of the things that are in the book. And I understood from some of the people reading the book that they weren't quite making a, the connection. Well, I understand this, but I, and they, didn't, they weren't liking the conclusions the book was having. I appreciate that you folks picked up that those conclusions weren't necessarily good. Because just because a person has revelation doesn't mean that their understanding is right on. And if you get your understanding right, your revelation may have been perfect. But if your understanding is wrong, your conclusion will be, be wrong. That's why you folks had a hard time with the conclusions that it came with. Because your understanding was different. Yeah, don't, don't be afraid to go with that. Don't be afraid to hang on to, to what God has, has already shown you. Because revelation will stay in line with what he has shown you before. And it's, it's going to be good. It'll, be, it'll benefit you. It will help you out. But you see, sometimes people get a revelation from God. They don't pursue the proper understanding. And they come out with a conclusion that's completely wrong. But, if we do like Daniel did, and set our heart to understand what the vision, what the revelation means, he will make sure we understand it. With proper understanding of whatever revelation God gives us, you will have some fantastic principles, some fantastic things to believe, and they will help you. But they're progressive. God says, all right, now we got this. Now we're ready for this set of revelation and understanding. And we have to move ourselves into that. And if we don't, we're not going to be ready for what's ahead. I, I think about this chapter and I wonder how many times, God, have you seen a weekend like what the disciples were going to go through and planned it out way before to give me revelation and understanding in that area? But I didn't see it. And when I got to that weekend, when I got to that time in my life, when the things began to happen, I wasn't understanding because I didn't prepare myself. 
and it was a much diff more difficult time than it should have been. God has perfect knowledge, perfect understanding, and when He gives revelation, it is perfect. I need to embrace that revelation. Hang on to it. Until I get perfect understanding that He's given. He'll give it to you. He'll help you understand it. And you get the understanding that He's trying to get you to get, your conclusion, your belief, principles you come with, off with those, they will benefit your life tremendously. And they will, in turn, help others. You see, the disciples, after the cross and after Jesus corrected them and finally got them to understand the things they're supposed to do, they went off and they benefited many people with the fact that here it is in the Old Testament. Here it is being taught. Here's what Jesus did. Here's what happened. And they were prepared. Would have been better if they would have been prepared sooner. But that's alright. They got there. What revelation is out there for you? What revelation have you grabbed hold of? Whether it came directly to you or you're benefited because someone else got it and shared it. However the revelation came, what revelation are you meditating upon to get the understanding, to bring you to a place of better beliefs, better principles to hold on to? What's out there for you? I'll tell you what, folks, these things are huge. They will, they will help you out. We were talking about this on Thursday. When I go out and I look for a book to read, look for somebody to... I don't look for all the time for somebody who agrees with me. I don't look for someone that I even accept all their conclusions. What I want someone to do when I read a book on things, I want them to bring up questions. I want them to bring up questions. And this particular book where you had, had gone into brought up two questions. For, oh, I love those, love those questions. Those questions are great. Oh, I'm going to take those questions and I'm going to go before God and I'm going to get some understanding on this. I'm going to get some revelation on this. You see, because sometimes I'm stuck where I am because I don't know to ask any other question. I was listening to a minister. He said this many a time. But in this particular time, he... He phrased it this particular way. He said, people a lot of times ask, why do bad things happen to bad people? We've talked about that topic a number of times. Why do bad things happen to bad people? Why do bad things happen to good people? Probably a better question. Why, why, in fact, you can just ask this. Why do bad things happen? <laughs> why do bad things happen? And his thing was, see, we're asking the wrong question. The question is not, why do bad things happen to good people? The question is, why was I in a place that God couldn't protect me? Ooh. Does changing that question change some things? Boy, it does, doesn't it? You can get a whole set of different answers with that second question than you can with the first one. Because the first one, what we say? God, I'm a good person. Why are bad things happening to me? Over time I go, bad things happen. All the time, bad things happen. Instead of saying, God, why was I in a place that bad things could happen that you couldn't protect me from? Hmm. Now, that's not to say that any time a bad thing happens, that's, how many of y'all know Jesus had some bad things happen? And yet he followed in exactly where he's supposed to go. Because people did some stuff. But he also avoided a lot of bad things. 
because he listened to the Spirit of God. You've got to make sure you ask the right questions. Would you all stand up with me? Today is Communion Sunday. As we think of the things that Jesus did for us, meditate upon them as the ushers come around with the elements. Because on the night that Jesus went to the upper room, having equipped his disciples with the knowledge of what was going to happen. And he fully expected that they would have taken that revelation and done something with it. But they didn't. But he came to the supper to let them know this is what's, this is what's going to happen here, guys. My body is about to be broken for you. Not broken bones, but he was going to be beaten. He was going to be chastised for us. He was going to take those marks on his body for us. And so before supper even started, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this represents my body which is broken for you. This represents my body, which is broken for you. Can you imagine Jesus at the Last Supper? His body is still intact. His body is still whole. And he's telling them, I'm about to go through a beating, the purpose of which is that sickness and disease will be removed. That upon my body, all these things will be put on. So that you don't have to bear them anymore. And he's looking around at the twelve faces of the disciples. And they have no idea how to process this. Because they didn't process the revelation that came before. That he would be delivered. Crucified. Dead. Buried. Risen on the third day. I think sometimes with Jesus during this night that he may have just said to the Father, Father, I'm going to do what you told me to do and I'm going to teach them about the Last Supper, about the principles of the body and the blood. I know they won't get it because they haven't gotten the revelation before. But I will teach it to them so that afterwards they will teach it to others and afterwards they will know. I sometimes think about Jesus on that night. He's going through what he considered to be one of the most important things to teach him that before I go and I am separated from you, of all the things I want to teach you, this is the one. And he's teaching it to people who can't grasp what he's talking about. Huh. But he did it. And he taught it to them. Let's not forget the sacrifice that Jesus made. That he gave up his body to be beaten, bruised, whipped, chastised for us. Let's eat together. The Word of God tells us that on the same night, after supper, he took the cup. See, this is two different events. One, about the body and healing. And two, about the blood and forgiveness.
He said, this is the cup of the new covenant. The blood of bulls and goats covered up your sin. But the blood of the lamb, the sacrificial lamb of God, was going to wipe it out. So he passed this around to him. This represents the blood of the new covenant. There is nothing we need to add for the forgiveness of sins. Not our own works, not our own promises. There is nothing we need to add. It's the work of Jesus. Let's receive that here today. Glory to God. Father, we thank you for the great love that you have for us. You sent Jesus down on this earth to live as a man, victorious over sin. And after three and a half years of ministry and teaching and ministering, gave his life up for all. We thank you for that great love. We give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we go, we have some praise reports. I just see two. I thought more than two came up. But I don't see more than two over there. third one is here. But if I'm missing anybody's, because I thought there was something more that, is, that was there. Let's see what, what we got here. Ethel. Cross that out and put it over here. <laughs> While out running on Friday, I tripped on a cable... Uh, cable cover and went down. However, while I scraped up my my hand my hands and my arm, I was not really hurt and was able to warn others. It was it was running while I was on the it was always oh, it was always oh, running while I was on the ground. I was telling others to be careful. <laughs> I guess so. Man, good that she's all right for that. Uh, praise follow up with the Nero ophthalmologist and was given the good report that all is going well. No worries, no fears. Praise be to God. Follow up is in two months. That's for the uh, vision on her eye that had actually gone away completely. But is uh, back just a little bit blurry. I think uh, Brother Jolly was saying, but uh, getting better all the time. Candy, I got pra- I got pray for last Sunday. For my nose bleeds and they have stopped and my blood pressure is down. Praise be to God. All right. Good to have, have praise reports what God is doing. Let's stand up one more time. Am I missing one? See, I thought there was another one up over here and I'm not, I'm not seeing where it was. What was yours? Oh, I did read that one ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah. She got reevaluated for her, for her job, and they decided that she uh, deserved more money for what she was getting done. <laughs> Glory to God for that. All right. Now, no end times class today. We have a children's ministry meeting to have to do, and um, and then uh, Wednesday night we'll be here for uh, finishing up Hebrews chapter nine. We'll put up a summary up on Facebook for y'all to to check that out. Bless some people before you get out of here today. It's great having you. Have a good afternoon.